I it's more of a, like a revelation. Like, man, I, I think yeah. I think we could do this better. And you're challenging it. Yeah. But yeah. I'm not missing it either because I just listened to my favorite podcast last night, and they're talking about this. So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh well, I'm a, we're all ahead of the curve then. <laughs> yep. Yep. Right, here's our song. thought with Andrew and Ned. I think we'll just have an altar call right now. Altars are open. <laughs> I felt like that with that song. Great song to start with. <laughs> have y'all heard that one? Clear the stage. Oh yeah. That's a good song. Powerful oh, song. Yeah. I think it kind of uh, encompasses what uh, I want to talk about today, um, which is avoiding burnout. I um, Again, I don't think we all have it figured out, but this is Clean Thought with Andrew and Nat, and we're trying to take a biblical perspective and a minister's expect perspective, and also the psychology. I I wrote this in the description of our last episode. I really think psychology solidifies uh, some of the things that we're talking about. I really do. I feel like it solidifies our direction and how we should maybe our, how we should be, our motives, and all those things. So that's why I'm really really excited uh about having nad as a co-host and just really gives us that amazing perspective of psychology um we also have david uh back with us reverend david back with us uh <laughs> again Come back brother david thank you we had a lot of backlash for that title being in the <laughs> in the title of the last podcast you did oh yeah mm. that's good uh <laughs> Well, you know why I did that? Um, Someone sent me a letter in the mail like four or five years ago. And I didn't feel like a reverend or anything. You know, I didn't feel like I was anybody with a title Mm -hmm. like that. And I got this letter in the mail. It said, Reverend Andrew. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I I guess I'm a reverend now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did just get my local license, so as I told a friend of mine, I said, it's time I get the respect I deserve. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're calling it. You're calling it. I just, you know, <laughs> I don't know. We're going to give you the respect you deserve. I just want you to know that. <laughs> so everybody out there, y'all respect Reverend David. <laughs> Reverend David, thank you for coming. Yeah, we are glad that you're back. Of course, your insight on being a PK, pastor's kid, I think it offers differently a a side, uh, a good perspective that we all probably know, not well, I definitely don't know about. So uh, my kids will know about, I, I can't, I can't tell what they're thinking right now. So honestly, I always feel like they hate me. So, <laughs> wow! Like, Dad, why? <laughs> and actually, never mind. Let's leave that out. But anyway, <laughs> uh, maybe I just have this sense of guilt sometimes with my children. I want them to have Your a good, cushy are... life. Go ahead and know what's that. Your kids are much more nicer than <laughs> what you're picturing them. That's true. I was, yeah, that's true. We have some great kids. I actually was thinking about having my son on the on an episode because uh, just to hear his perspective. You know, what is it like for him to live here in the Middle East? You know, I think it'd be cool. That's nice. Maybe some yeah. maybe some uh, MKs out there want to want to hear a perspective or something from him. That'd be cool. Yeah, I think that would be neat. Might open up some conversations or something but uh and also be good for nad because he he'd be great at interviewing 
him. <laughs> I would not. I would not be good at interviewing him. Anyway, <laughs> let's get into the to the topic. I guess we are we talked we talked a little bit last week about burnout and just kind of overcoming it and well, I think the main solution we came up with, you guys can help me out if I'm missing something, but you know, it's really to figure out what your why is, like why am I doing this? And through that, of course, if we're doing ministry, we're doing it for God. Our why is to please God. So through that, we can uh, definitely make steps to overcome burnout. And no, I say make steps because I think sometimes we act like it's just going to be this instant where something changes. Like immediately this burnout is gone. Oh, I feel so much better. Thank you. Like, no, sometimes it's going to be a process <laughs> of you sure. getting out of it. So, but yeah, we talked about that. Uh, ma- the most important thing is to figure out why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, y- y'all want to add anything to that? I'm just kind of reviewing last week. On the side of why, you need to have a balance. As I said, like I want to pinpoint this, that the, the positive activities also can lead to burnout too. Like this is what, something that we've, we talked about last time and because it is related to what i want to like mention today i just wanted to uh bring that up one more time yeah. thank you you know it's good the thing that has popped in my head in regards to what nad said about the positive things i think that that, that was the one that stuck it that stood out to me the most i guess i've heard the why more often than the other than the, the side about just positive dopamine but one thing that went went back to my childhood is um, there was a book called The Berenstein Bears. You ever heard of them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, The Ber- Berenstein Bears. And there's one called Too Much Birthday. And the little girl had, she just had too much celebrating birthday. And it turned out to be, um, you know, very traumatic emotionally for her. And she, you know, started crying and throwing a fit and stuff. And. And it turned out she had just been having too much of a good thing. Wow. Yeah. Children's book with some psychology in there. That's right. That's right. (laughs) What Nad said definitely leads into what we're wanting to talk about because there are many different steps to overcoming burnout. I don't think we covered everything, but we maybe gave somebody an idea or a scope of what to look for when when you're burned out but i want to kind of talk about the some of the causes of burnout or how do we get you know how do we get to that point uh what could we have done to avoid uh, the whole situation and and what i mean is i guess i hope this doesn't really offend anyone but if it does i'm sorry i'm not trying to tell anyone that i know everything I feel sometimes because because of this new experience of coming to the Middle East and stuff, I I don't want to have this perspective of like a new, you know how that new Bible school student is? He gets out of Bible school and he mm-hmm. knows everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? They come back from Bible school and they just, they know how this church should operate. You know, the, the, if you right. want to grow your church, this is what you should do. And uh, no, they might like Nad. Uh, said earlier, he said that, uh, well, they actually might know something, but (laughs) (laughs) so it's not that we don't know anything. Anyway, I just want to say that I don't know everything, but I feel like there are some systems and some, maybe some programs or even motives that can lead to burnout. I'm not saying they always will. I'm not saying that, oh, if your church does this and this, then you're going to burn out everybody around you. Let's get to it. Yeah. Enough talking. Ahead, Enough Matt. walking on eggshells. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just leading the conversation. Go ahead, Ned. <laughs> Let's start with this question. I I haven't been in church in U.S. I haven't had those experiences. Like what is going on? So I'm going to ask you to like what what has led you to feel burnout? What in what point have you had this problem with burnout happening to you? I'll start because I have a short, shorter answer. I Sometimes uh, repetition has led me to feel burnout, always doing the same thing every week, three times a week for years. And 
Sometimes repetition leads to burnout. You get tired, you want to try something new. Sometimes it the length of time that you that you're involved. So I think that it's good to cycle out every now and then, um, or or take a week off to sit in the pew and worship freely and uh, not have responsibilities. And possibly it might be a good idea with permission from your pastor, with agreement from your pastor, to visit another church for a week or something. Just like, hey, let's go, let's go be in another service because. When even if you're not doing anything in your church, if you're one that always does something, when you show back up to church, either you will end up doing something again, or you'll feel like you're supposed to be doing something, and you won't be able to feel that release of responsibility, and you won't be able to have your mind just free to receive, basically. And oftentimes, especially in in smaller churches, we use the excuse of, well, no one else is here to do it. Sometimes that's okay. Sometimes it doesn't need to be done this week. Does that make sense? Almost. I get the general picture, but Brother Andrew, what do you think? I think what led led me to burnout, and I guess it's going to kind of sound similar from last week, but, you know, when you do something again and again, like you said, David said repetition, but when you, let's talk about a particular function in, in, in ministry. If you do something again and again and again and again, it's usually because it worked. It may have worked one time, maybe it worked twice, I don't know, but I think what led to me feeling this was doing something and realizing it's not working. (laughs) It's not producing what we all want. So, and I'm, you know, I guess there's a certain level of responsibility I could take for myself is again, that maybe I was focusing too much on what could happen or the results of what, what this event was going to produce. But I really believe that, some of the repetition of doing the same thing and then seeing no result really kind of led to some burnout. I I also would say, you know, one of the things I think led to burnout was in America, in the American church, things are just moving so fast. And so when it comes to connections and relationships, we're neglecting the important things, which I think is family, is relationships. Uh, whether that's relationship with your, with God and with people. From personal experience, and someone might say I was backslid, but it was hard. It got hard for me to wake up in the morning and go pray. I'm just going to be very transparent. I was so burned out, I, it got hard for me to get up and pray. So I had this routine of going, getting up in the morning, praying, and then going to the gym. So I realized that uh, this is not good. Um, I can't just keep going to the gym and not praying and neglect my relationship with God. So I said, something's got to give. So I gave up the gym and I said, let me just spend time in the morning and pray. Even if I don't wake up as early and I can't brag about how early I got up, you know, how sometimes men do. I got up 530 this morning, bless God, you know. (laughs) It's like... You know what? I couldn't brag about what time I got up, but I, I I knew that I needed to let go of something in order to keep my relationship with God. So I guess what I'm saying and what led to that is just I've felt so tired physically, mentally, spiritually. And so I, it was hard to balance all these things in my life. It was hard to stay happy when you felt like you had no time for yourself. Well, uh, you, so both of you explained something to me that it's, I want, I kind of want to ask you to open it up. You said repetition, like doing the same thing over and over again. And then you said, there's so much for me to do that I didn't have time to get to the important stuff. So I want, Mm -hmm. I, if you don't mind, I want you to please, op- I haven't experienced the church in America. I haven't been there. I haven't seen how things are happening. Can you open these up a little bit, please, to see what was expected for you to do that took so much time that lead to this point? The, the latest for me is the, it was just, it was just, we were doing the same thing over and over again. And what this, what we were doing was just, 
we had our church service, we went to church, we did the stuff required for that service, then it was over with until the next time, basically. And this it does not reflect on the authority in the church at all. I don't I don't want it to to seem like that, but it, it was more of from the bottom up. Um, if you if you can say it that way, that that's probably going to offend somebody. If you say that, if I say that, that's probably going to offend somebody. But we'll just say it from, in that regard, from the bottom up. There wasn't a lot of excitement, a lot of people self initiating effort, and so the people that were doing things, we got we got kind of tired, and then we went a long time without fresh blood. That was, and I think that for a church, you really need. You really need new people coming in, new people to work on, new people to help, new people to assist, because if you don't, you become very, what do I want to say, stuck in a way, kind of stuck in a rut, stuck in your routine, stuck in your routine. You don't have anybody to shake it up. You know, you get comfortable, you come in, you sit on a pew, you have your good service. There's no kids crying, um, which that wasn't the case in our church, but. Uh, you know, there's no, no, nobody that doesn't know how to sit through a service. There's nobody that, you know, that you're excited about. It's always, it's the same people. And so that's, that's kind of what, that's the experience that I'm coming from there. Cause yeah, that, I had that same experience too. Like there was no like new people coming in, which, you know, it, it's a problem uh, when you look at it as a church, ex- church perspective, what God intends for the church is for it to multiply. And so when right. it doesn't multiply, it's like, what are we, what are we doing? <laughs> like, uh, right. we're just polishing the apple. We're just coming and talking to the same people about what, you know, more about what they could do for God, or you know, maybe we could bring conviction, or maybe these people need to grow. I, I don't know the the mm-hmm. maybe the what the issue is. Maybe there's maybe God knows there's maturing that needs to take place in the church. I I hope I'm maybe I'm not jumping ahead of Nad. Taking that, taking that perspective that you gave is, I think, what I really want to talk about is, I think, a way that we can avoid burnout or at least, uh, I'm not saying this is, you know, the, the answer to everything, but I, looking at the first century church and from that perspective, that they were more relational, they were uh, less institutionalized, in. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. And I'm reading from this book called Follow to Lead on by Stan Gleason. So if you're offended, you can be offended by him. Uh, but, <laughs> but he basically is pointing out that, you know, the first century church was focused more on relationships. And it the early church continued in day, daily, continued daily in the temple and from went house to house, breaking bread. They shared resources. They did ministry together. And so something has changed by change. Obviously, after the first century church, there was a lot of changes after 325 A.D., as we know, Council of Nicaea and many other councils that followed. And then the Catholic Church was formed. And then we start getting into this hierarchy in that is sort of created in the church where everyone's looking at one person, one leader, one pastor, mm-hmm. the focus is on the building, the focus is off of people, and it's now on the events. <laughs> it's it's mm-hmm. gotten away from what it first was, which was about the people, the relationships. At the same time, I don't want to say that our services are not about people. Our services in America are incredible. We have the best music. Mm-hmm. We have the best preaching. We have uh, the best buildings, beautiful places. We have... We have the best people, uh, and we have some of the best pastors. And so I don't want to say that anyone you know, is wrong, but I'm looking at from a growth perspective and multiplying perspective, I think what we're missing is relationships. What we're missing is how to disciple people. I think what we're missing is we are reaching for something, and I, this is my personal experience. I kept reaching for this revival to just you know for the church to just flip upside down for this fire to spread i just keep reaching for this this goal like it's Mm -hmm. gonna break eventually it's gonna break 
And it's mm-hmm. this, you know, it, it could happen. There's this miraculous moment like Topeka, Kansas, like Azusa Street, like so many other revivals. We're reaching for this moment and it never comes. And uh, what I realize is that, you know, God has established these people in the church for a reason. And right now, <laughs> we're just coming to church, sitting on a pew, and enjoying what we have by our, all by ourselves. And there's no real discipleship happening. And I'm just saying, what I see, what I think and what I believe is leading to burnout for some people is this right here. We're focused on the event. We're focused on, well, you know, the, the, the one leader. We're focused on that one leader to preach to us, pastor, preach to us. And we're not going to do anything about what he's preaching to us. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and in some ways, I'm going to say this, in some ways the the pastor is crafting this this beautiful message. And he's coming with this powerful sermon that he heard from God. You know, he got it right from the altar. And he comes with this powerful message. And we are entertained by it. And there might, there will be... Uh, there will be a move of the spirit. There will be uh, altars full. My question is, what do we do after that? Because we keep we keep repeating that same cycle, the same people. And and I want to say that I think where the system is faulty is even when a new person comes in, our goal is let's get them baptized, let's get them the Holy Ghost, and then we're finished with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> move on to the next one. Let's move on. Yeah. Let's move on to the next one so that I can post mm-hmm. on Facebook. Uh, 20 people received the Holy Ghost today in church. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about the. What All right. If, that's enough. That's yeah. enough. Well, that's enough. <laughs> let me wait. Wait. No, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Those 20 people, they now need someone to take them under their wing. Who's going to do that? Mm-hmm. And let's post about that. Let's post about who's taking those people under their wing and saying, hey, I'm going to make sure you make it because you're mm-hmm. not just you're not just a number. You're you're a person that that has a, a a person that has a special character. You have a very distinct uh, genetics and and a personality that no one else has in this whole entire church. This person needs, you know, physical hands, physical teaching themselves. And mm-hmm. they're not finished just because they received the Holy Ghost and the pastor can't do it all. He can't be the one to disciple. And let me say this too. Mm-hmm. Your discipleship class can't be the only thing that disciples them. I know that we've created a program where, hey, this class is for the new converts, and I, I think we mm-hmm. need to do it. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. But I, I think that we're just creating more and more programs, more and more systems, and we're burning ourselves out not realizing we need to slow down and build relationships, not programs. Right. I don't know. I, yeah, I think you're right. The, and I look back on me personally, when I was, did start getting burned out and lose focus, it was because I had other things in my life that were taking me away from the focus on other people, not blaming it on my wife, but I started dating for one. <laughs> <laughs> and that was distracting. And then honestly, COVID, you know, COVID happened recently. And for us personally, or for me personally, I never tried afterwards. Like, well, I shouldn't say never tried, but didn't try very hard to get reconnected with people and, you know, get back to that outward focus. We just kind of got comfortable and we just didn't, I didn't try. I didn't try hard enough to get connected with people. Well, I actually, (laughs) accidentally, when you're uh, talking about this, I remembered something that I've done before. You, you're talking about discipleship and making correct, uh, connections. There is a certain individual that somehow, way before, I had to translate one of his uh, handwritings about the things that he has done. His name is, his name is I'm not sure how to tra- like 
pronounce it in English, it's John Cassian, which in the Roman term in 4th and beginning of the 5th century, after the Catholic Church was, uh, like the Roman Catholic Church was established, and they had a hierarchy and everything was going for, uh, moving forward, he started a journey and went th through all the churches that was known to that era. Like he went outside the reach of the Catholic Church, went to the eastern side, all the way to India, and then to Africa, and saw those churches and how they're moving. And then he started to study about how everything is happening in different churches. And one of the main areas that he mentions in his studying is discipleship. Mm. And he, as a not as a Back in his time, it wasn't a criticism, but actually a, like comparing and contrasting the different churches. It was saying that uh, in discipleship, in most of the other churches outside of the Catholic reach, they are using the traditional discipleship method, the one that was using way back in 2nd century or the 3rd century, which was that there was not a really valid lesson like, there was a great man that was discipling a few students' disciples, just as what Jesus did with his disciples. And they're just living together all the time. Their relationship with each other is 24-7. The disciples are at the presence of the teacher all the time. And the teacher, by building the connection, is teaching them. He said that he, like, this was the literal sentence that he said. He said, like, maybe the teacher doesn't talk to them for two weeks, not directly, but they are together. They have a relationship. They break the bread together. And the students learn by being in teacher's presence. And then teachers give them one lesson. The new lesson is, isn't a two-hour topic. He, t he tells them one sentence, tells them, go cry for your sins. Mm -hmm. And then in the next two weeks, t students on the shadow, on the presence of that sentence, they observe the teacher, how he is living his day-to-day -day life. And this is how discipleship happened, like in the early days of church. And like kind of connects to me with the topic, like you how you we are able to talk about discipleship and relationship apart from each other, but how they were connected back then. And it just, like, I wanted to add this. Yeah, that's very good. Incredible. He just one line, and then they'd go, go pray about this. <laughs> go pray about this. That That's it. That was the end of the lesson. Like, this is it. But, and so... Because they lived with him and saw him live out his life, it was a perfect model for them. They, yeah, could, they, they understood how he lived. Like they, they were looking at the master, and then he was telling them the, the one sentence. Yeah. Then they were looking at how he is doing that one sentence in the, their everyday life. Like okay, how he is breaking the bread, talking to people, and like praying for his sin. I, I don't know. I just right. gave an example. But. Yeah, well, it sounds to me mm. a lot like what Jesus did. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. if you think about it too, you know, Jesus was a teacher. He was a teacher. And everywhere he went, he was a teacher. He he also, you know, we, we, we always like to focus on those miracles. I, I mean, the miracles that he did, the works that he did, of course, those are great. But he was a teacher and he had disciples with him always and um he, i guess what i'm saying is like teaching requires a whole lot more connecting slowing down i mean if you look at jesus's overall teachings like parables and stories that he used this was a way you know a tactic i guess you could say to connect these people connect them to real life examples but I guess what I, I what I'm saying is, uh, you we're trying to cram teaching into one event, right? That's what I mean. Essentially, From what I see, bit. yeah, is what what I Basically. see is we're having one event for if it's church, it's two hours, and and we're trying to cram it all in, and 
and uh, what I'm what I'm thinking is that scripture, Matthew twenty eight nineteen, that we all know and quote. You know, it says, "Go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost." Then he says it again, teaching them to observe all things. So this is what Jesus commanded, and this is what kind of Stan Gleason points out in his book, Follow to Lead, but is that Jesus is telling us basically to slow down and teach these people. <laughs> and if you're, if, think about if you're teaching somebody math and they're just not getting it. Well, you have two hours and that's it. And uh, now I'm, I get up and walk away and they walk away. They go their separate ways and they're still confused about what they learned. So, <laughs> and like, you're not going to be able to connect people from the pulpit uh, to at least you can connect them to God. Yes, there's going to be a move, move of the spirit. Yes, this experience alone can really like, you know, change their life. But um, something I heard on the Restorations podcast, I just heard it last night. It's very powerful. It's like we're trying to deliver people from things that they need to be taught from. And what, what he was saying is we want this amazing miracle like God's just God just zaps us and then we're free from everything. And now we're a son or a daughter of God and we're a follower of Christ. And now we're going to go and make other disciples. And sometimes that's not going to happen. We're not just going to get zapped at an altar and get up from that altar and our life just be fixed. No, there's going to be some things that we need to be taught you know, in other words, someone's going to have to really slow down, take their time with us and teach us the formula, teach us how, show us how to live, show us how to be like Christ. Need to see how he is doing it. Right. At least once. And, you know, I would say um, <laughs> some of the events that we do are, are great and Man, they bring excitement in the church. Yes, they bring. Sometimes they bring the the church together. You know, if everyone's coming together, putting forth an effort. But the event is the event alone is not going to save your city. It's not going to reach the city like you want it to. It may give you opportunity, and that's what we're hopefully. I think that's what we maybe we need to realize is that this might give me opportunity to speak to someone, to make a connection with someone. But oftentimes the workers of the event are so focused on getting the event accomplished and having it good and having everything perfect. We have no time to connect. We lose time to have to make relationships uh, because we're focused on the job itself. And so what I'm saying, maybe, I'm just saying maybe, there's a way we can avoid burnout by not being so event-driven. And maybe we have a couple events a year, and that's great. But be not becoming so event driven, because realizing these events, there's not a sometimes there's just not enough time to connect someone or have a, or build a relationship with someone. If you think about your friends right now, your best friends, you know you're having lunch with them. Uh, you're you're over their house playing Monopoly till two a.m. You're, 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 you, if you're, well, if you're longtime friends, like some of my friends, we've been friends for a long time. You know, I remember what things we've done together. Like, you know, we went on vacation together. We, we played basketball together when we were in high school. You know, I, rem, I we spent the night at each other's house. These, these are the things that build a friendship. But we're trying to build a friendship by saying, hey, uh, after church, I want to take you to lunch. <laughs> I'm not trying to say that we're wrong about it. It's great. But that's the Sunday event is the only time we're trying to connect with somebody. In in some ways, having a relationship is going to take more work than the event itself. In some ways. Can we talk about that though? Nad, you um we kind of hit on it last week is that, that in, internal motive and that external motive, and you had already said it earlier about how good events always happening, you know, like the happy birthday thing, having a birthday every every week. Finally, you know, you get so tired of it. So can we talk about that a little bit? <laughs> like, 
What well, happens when you just keep having events and events and events and you don't take time to build relationships? Well, this is a like very interesting part of the conversation. What happens, like the last week we talked about how uh, dopamine is involved in the situation and how like the dopaminergic system gets tired. Doesn't matter if the event is, turns out to be very good or very bad. Th- this is a part of the conversation we want to have that but i want to connect this the why that we talked about and this uh system together uh we have two kind of motivations in our brain and the motivation in our brain is connected deeply driven by the dopaminergic system so when i have uh, like I'm going to connect back to the example we had about the kids who like to draw, but after receiving a prize for it, they stop drawing. And that's an example of an external motivation. The thing external motivation does is that takes the joy we have from the activity itself and focuses it on the prize. Mm. So uh, let's talk about this from the event perspective. I, I'm not very familiar with uh, like the church culture in the U.S., but this is applicable to everything. If you have a person who does something really hard and enjoys it, like, like going to gym, like studying a book, when we add a prize to the end of it, the joy that he is receiving from doing that thing is going to get connected to the prize and in the long run conditioning happens and the pro- the joy from the activity is going to be less and less and less. So if we talk about the event or building relationships in the event even, when we, because relationship is a prize to the human brain, connect, building a new relationship, the excitement of meeting a new person is also a prize. When we are doing that in a, I'm not being against events, but when we are just focused on a de- on an event as it is need to be done, like let let's do this event. The thing is, like the dopamine starts to build up, anticipating the event. The event happens, and after the event, after the event, we are left out emptier than before. So we are we have less energy to do this less. Uh, and we will enjoy less over time. We have, we will have, le- we are less motivated to do the event again and again, because that's how external motivation works. After a while, you get tired of it. The children, after if you design a point system, reward system for them, after a while, they will ask for another reward. So it is how addiction works, by the way. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have something positive and rewarding and after a while if that if you are doing this for the rewarding effect you want more and you keep wanting more and the whole thing loses its value and its meaning what we usually suggest to people is that <laughs> the the phrase that is i have heard is being used about this phenomenon i really love this is like love the grind do the things for the grind we mm. say that do the thing for the the thing that is happening at the moment like if you are having a church service or if you are having a meeting relationship with other people building teaching discipleship the goal is to to have the church service the church the church service in itself must be a goal the event the the worship the preaching and teaching to people connecting to people in itself must be the final goal of the whole thing which is i'm going to mention something if I post on Facebook that I had this result in a church service, it will decrease my joy from the church service because the, the Facebook post is getting likes. Oh. So it is like, yeah. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say that it, everything outside, everything that is going to take from me and put it outside, from the event and put it outside, it's going to harm and like hurt damage what i'm doing at that event over time so 
that this is something to think about. Like it is, act- uh, I'm really hesitant to say this is how a church is going to work, but <laughs> because I don't know, I haven't seen it in the U.S. I will but say, this is oh, how brain usually works. I'm gonna say I've done this Ooh. myself, so I'm I'm feeling kind of the guilt because you know one person got baptized in our Spanish church one time and we had a baptism and man, I was so excited to post about it, you know, and, uh, in, in reality though, three years of pastoring, only one person was baptized. So it was like, finally we did it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And like you said, it wasn't as rewarding as I wanted it to be. So yeah, I give it just, and, I will say one of the things, and thank God, you know, because I'm taking responsibility for me, all right? So if anybody's offended by something I said, I'm taking responsibility for me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I had to change on my perspective, even here, and I I think I said this before, maybe I'm here to plant. Maybe I'm here to water, and I'm going to love doing that. Um, Maybe I'm not the guy that has the 10,000 soul revival. Maybe I'm just not him. So if my purpose is to plant and to water and to teach and to disciple, then I'm going to love the grind of that. And, uh, you know, in my experience here, I get so excited when I meet a new person. And of course, you know, if they speak English, it's like, uh, Hey, immediately like, Oh, you speak English. (laughs) Hey, let me get your number, you know, and immediately we're going to, we're going to have opportunity to, build a relationship at and so what i've learned just being here for the little bit of time i've been in the middle east is that i'm starting to love the grind like nad's saying i really just enjoy the process some of these people hadn't even made it to church yet and i've had dinner and coffee with them a couple of times some of them more than more than three times i've met with them and it's like you know they i haven't had i don't have a bible study with them i don't have they haven't been to church, but because that to me is, yeah, it's the goal. And I think God wants to save them. Yes. Someone could say, well, you're, you know, you're, you're missing the point over there. What are you doing over there? You know, <laughs> it's like, well, I'm trying to build a relationship. I'm trying to be a friend and my friendship is going to lead them to Jesus Christ. At the same time, you can't lead a cow to water and make them drink. Sometimes you're going to lead a cow to water and he's just not going to drink. You know what I'm saying? You you can't make everybody. And and I think that in some ways our burnout that especially in America, we have, we have led, we have fallen into burnout so easily because we're just looking for that result, that quick win. We're looking for that quick win and we're not loving the grind. We're just, Hey, I got a Bible study today. Praise God. You know, I, I was talking to this guy at the restaurant and I said, hey, man, have you ever heard about the Holy Ghost? And they said, well, I've never even heard there is a Holy Ghost. And so I've got me a Bible study right there. And it I'm just I'm not trying to say everybody that does this needs to stop. I'm saying that look at the motivation. The motivation is not for the people. I'm sorry I'm getting really passionate over here, but it's not for the people. The motivation, and I'm not trying to judge everybody. So if you're, you say I'm wrong. I don't, my, my motivation is correct. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, whatever. Okay, God bless you. But I'm saying that my motivation was wrong. It was let me get a Bible study so I could have a badge of honor on my on my chest and say, look, I have a Bible study. And what I'm saying is about the system. I I'm. Really, I want to be careful in saying this, but I think our system is leading to this motivation. The system of, well, you hear it from the pulpit. Everybody get out there and win a soul. <laughs> he who wins souls is wise. But if if all it is is about winning souls and getting a number, then we're missing the real point. It's to build a relationship. It's to become a friend. I, I don't know. What do y'all think? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm saying that this this is 
this is the the drive you know this is the the main motivation for the entire system is to get out there and win a soul get out there and get a bible study and i agree we need to i agree mm-hmm. i'm not saying we don't need to but i think we have this idea that i'm going to we have this idea that I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to get me a Bible study today. And then that person's going to get baptized and they're going to receive the Holy ghost. And then I'm done. Mm-hmm. I did it. Look yeah. what I did. I want a soul. And let me go ahead and tell you, no one wins a soul. No one. Doesn't the Bible say some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. Mm-hmm. It's no one wins a soul. We used to have these things, yeah. Ned, called Soul Winners Boot Camp. And you went to the boot camp just to become a soul winner. And that was the whole idea. And yeah. I really think that, again, this this system <laughs> is wrong. Like, it's, it's producing the wrong motivation in us. We should be wanting to build relationships. And this whole idea of winning souls sometimes could really lead us to burnout if we're not careful. I'm not saying it always will. I'm just saying if we're not careful, we just get out there and we, we're motivated by this this event happening. You know, what's the event? The event is that person that I met at the store just got baptized in Jesus' name and they received the Holy Ghost and now it's over. I won a soul. I, the, my work is complete. <laughs> I think to, to lend itself back to the conversation, the the intent of church services and the intent of forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together, I don't think the original intent of that was soul winning. Because what does it say when it says forsake not assembly? Or, yeah. What does it say when it says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together? It's talking about edifying one another. And um, and another time it talks about uh, provoking one another to good works. And so the service itself the gathering should be about edifying one another and strengthening one another to the point where when you go out and have your relationships with other people, you are capable of leading them into truth and helping them, you know, encounter the spirit, which will teach them what they need to know. Right. We're supposed to the build or the building itself purposes us to gather in this place and edify one another. Um, yeah, spiritual edification, right. and not to not to give out business cards and be like, "Hey, come to church with me on Sunday." Your most successful soul winning is going to be having someone over to your house first. Like that's a proven thing. Like if you have someone over to your house on a consistent basis, you're like you're more likely to get a Bible study with them, and you're uh, more likely that when the time comes that they actually do visit your church they're likely prepared enough to be there because this like church services should be for spiritual people. That's what, that's what it should be for. And it should not always get the, the, the gathering of yourself together should not always be confined to the church building. You should go together from house to house and have spiritual conversations, you know, challenge one another, like, hey, what have you read this week? What have you, uh, you know, what are your thoughts? What have you been meditating on? You know, what has God led you to this week? Here's here's something that I've learned, you know, that I could, uh, that I just wanted to share with you, you know, that those types of things. And it sounds very charismatic, doesn't it? Yeah. Doesn't it? It's charismatic. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, but here, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll lend this to the the podcast as a whole. I heard this quote the other day. It said, generalizations are always wrong, but usually helpful. So when we generalize, we know they're wrong. Like they're not, they don't count all the, all the way across the board, but they're helpful. So you don't have to clarify all the time that like, well, I know not everything is this way, or I know not always, not everyone is thinking this or whatever it's just it's a generalization it's wrong but it's helpful yeah piggybacking off of what you're saying we like you were saying we hand out cards we say hey come to come to church i've, I've heard this a lot you know I, like i've done this hey man you need to come to church with me 
you know, and, mm-hmm. and I had a guy, I had a guy said, well, I don't like the time of your service because that's when football's on, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, whatever. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, we're, we're like, here's the problem. That same guy that said, I don't, I don't like the time of your service because I don't want to miss football. Immediately in my mind, I just kind of wrote him off. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know what? Okay, whatever. You don't want to come to church with me? Then I, you know what? That's it. You know, we're, we're finished mm-hmm. here. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. like, no. Like, I'm talking about myself. I mean, I was so wrong in some yeah. of my motives. Like, these yeah. relationship building is what Jesus came to do. He, he built relationships. He cared about people. Uh, you know, you think about the scripture when he comes down from the mountain and Jesus feels this compassion and he looks at the people, not, not because they were broken or because they needed someone to heal them. He, he was feeling broken because they didn't have a shepherd. They didn't have somebody Mm -hmm. that they Mm -hmm. could lean on someone they could, that would take them under their wing. We look at that as like a shepherd. Oh, he's talking about like a pastor, you know? He's in uh, in Spanish. I, the word shepherd and pastor are they translate the same. If you're talking about pastor, you're talking about a shepherd. But I don't think he's just talking about a a uh, a man of God who stands behind a podium. I think he's Jesus is saying they didn't have a shepherd. They had no one to lead them. They had no one to follow. And when we're out there trying to make disciples and we're trying to connect with people, this is the point. We're trying to lead them to Jesus Christ. They are following us. So, no, I'm not saying everybody go out there and change your title to pastor <laughs> either. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I guess when I, we'll get back, maybe reinforce the why. You know, why do we do what we do? We are trying to build relationships. We're trying to lead people to Jesus Christ and inviting them to church and just telling them to come to my service, come to my event, it doesn't... Let's just look at the numbers in general. I don't think it produces what we want it to produce. I don't think it's... And there's some people that aren't sticking. You know, there's some people that come and go. There's some people that receive the Holy Ghost and you never see their face again. So I'm just... We want to analyze it. Look, We're just analyzing this. Could these systems, could these programs, could they be leading to our inevitable burnout? And you know what? I'm glad you're not burned out yet. I hope that uh, everybody out there is encouraged, and I hope we're not trying to just bring a bunch of negativity. That's not what we're trying to do. I just want to analyze what could be causing burnout. How can we avoid it? Is there a, is there a way that we can just get back to the basics the basics of building disciples or and building relationships, connecting, slowing down to to connect with someone. You know, I, I just I hope that maybe we have at least given somebody some uh, maybe some insight. I'm not trying to say we have it all figured out, but I, you know what I'm saying. I, I think that we just need to get back to the basics. We need to get back to the basics of of building relationships of taking care of our families, especially if you're a minister. Uh, sometimes, you know, ministry can just take the place of family and where you're, you're just, you have so much on your plate. You're, you're so burdened by everything that's going on, especially pastors. I know um, my pastor, I know he carries a heavy load and sometimes we can get so focused on the events and the things that have, that need to be done or the things that, well, you know, we're striving to, to win souls. We're, tr- we're striving to have that great revival. And I really think that some, we just need to slow down. I think we need to get back to the basics of building relationships. I don't know. I, I don't have it all figured out, but this has been something that's been eating at me. It's been on my ma- mind. And I think this will help us avoid this burnout. I do like uh, what I wanted to say is already finished. And uh, before I ask my last question, I want to ask Brother Reverend David (laughs) if you have anything to say. If is is there anything you want to mention or add? No, not necessarily. Um, Just if you are experiencing burnout, evaluate yourself. Step back, take a look. 
evaluate what you're doing, why you're doing it. If you need to, just try to connect with somebody, uh, whether that's a new soul, you know, someone for you to build a relationship with, or some if you need spiritually edified, find someone that's more mature than you spiritually and spend some time with them and, and, and try to refresh yourself so that way you can continue on again. My last question is, like, to get out of this burnout or to stop the progress, what is the first step you suggest people to do? When I say getting back to the basics, what I'm really talking about is those those core values that each person has, whether it's, if we're talking about ministry, I feel like there's some core values of ministry, uh, core values of, of a man of God or a woman of God that each person has. And one first is, you know, your relationship with God. I know that we don't want to admit it, and I kind of already admitted it earlier, but burnout affects our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And it's it's probably one of the first things that it affects. And so I would say one of the first steps is just refocusing again. I know we kind of already said that, but I, was, I feel like one of the first steps is is, you know what, looking at your life, looking at your time. Obviously, let's give you a real, let's give you a real tangible thing you can change. Look at your time. Look at your schedule and see where does God fit. And is there too much on my plate? Let me take something off and put something uh, something for God there. Before, because when a person is dealing with burnout, usually it's, it's, it's an isolated experience. That person is, you know, essentially by themselves. Nobody really knows what they're feeling. They could possibly be hiding what they feel and they don't want to come to, you know, maybe they don't want to reach out and have accountability. I think that would also be another step is to get accountability. But I feel mm-hmm. like that what I, what I did, I'm not trying to say I had all the answers, but I was looking at my schedule, looking at your schedule and saying, okay, Something has to give because I can't keep running like this. So I'm going to avoid burnout by getting rid of something that is less important than my family, um, God, my relationship with God, my relationship with people. Let me let go of something. So I feel like maybe that could be a very tangible, easy step someone could take to avoid burnout. Brother David, what is your suggestion? One of the ways for me, that I have found for me to get out of the burnout cycle is um, I'll go back to number one, the why. That's the best. Uh, And then also making sure I have resources to refresh myself again, as I've already said. Whether that's challenging myself mentally in a new way, you know, read a new book. Oh, that's that. Reading a book is a good way to get outside of your mental fog or your mental routine. I guess you could say it, it brings someone else's perspective, and then also relationships, both people that you can help and people that can help you. Relationships is in the last. I mean, in the last, um, I want to say, seven years of my life, my everything has been about the relationships that I have made, the success of my business the success of my my marriage the success of of anything that i have done has been the relationship that i have made with someone that benefited me i learned from that you know they were able to contribute something to my life that i could not find on my own so relationships is is the relationships that you can help and relationships that you can help that can help you probably one of the most important I'm going to add one very quick suggestion, very quick. My suggestion is to talk to someone, but not not a daily conversation. Like Although a daily conversation will help. My suggestion is to have a one genuine conversation with someone. Don't be afraid of being judged and be a two-sided conversation. First, listen to them deeply and then explain what's going on because in our our brain, our thoughts, our progress kind of happens in dialogue. We, we are not always uh, as successful as thinking to ourselves. So having a dialogue helps you to figure out what's happening around you, what is taking energy from you so much. 
talk about not not deeply act although you can talk about your why and very deep conversation but talk about your routine what's happening in your week and the, the conversation itself will help you to figure out what's going on and what's taking energy from and that's it thank you everyone thank you guys for listening appreciate everybody's support we're growing in numbers i'm very excited <laughs> about, about our views and our people that are listening to us but i hope everybody has a great week and that everyone's blessed hopefully something in this episode uh blessed you helped you we're we're we don't have all the answers but maybe we have some uh, anyway. <laughs> uh god bless you all thank you uh, we'll see you again uh, next week Clean Thought with Andrew and deserves Anything I before my God is an idol. And anything I want with all.